The really good product marketers are going to be the ones who have the qualities that AI can't produce. And I think those are the things that a lot of people have not developed. You're listening to GTM Disrupted with Mike Smart of Egress Solutions. Learn how product management and product marketing thought leaders are rethinking their business strategies to thrive in a world of radical change. Hi, my name is Mike Smart and welcome to Go to Market Disrupted. Today I have a special colleague with me, Yasmin Torehi. Yasmin empowers visionary companies to grow by building a go-to-market strategy that aligns with the product roadmap and their marketing strategy. As the founder of product, excuse me, as the founder of Modern Product, a product marketing consulting firm, she has worked with clients such as Adobe, Life360, Mode Analytics, Social Chorus, and CryptoKitties, which is a blockchain game that actually runs on the Ethereum platform. Yasmin is also the author of two books, Product Marketing Debunked, and the most recent one, which is The Launch, which was published in 2021. I'm actually very honored and pleased to have Yasmin with me. Yasmin, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm, I'm really honored and happy to be here. So I gave you sort of the high, I gave the listeners a high look at sort of your background, but I always like to ask people when, we, when I chat with them in this environment, how did you come to this place? You have been on a trajectory. You've done a lot in your life, in your professional life. And I'm just curious if you wouldn't mind sharing some of the highlights of that, how it ended up getting you here. Author of two books, a specialty in go-to-market and running a business as, as well as a podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. I, you know, I think um, my whole life I've been just so curious about how companies work, how products work. And, you know, even when I was a kid, I remember writing letters to product companies telling them how much I like their products and got some responses back. But, you know, I've just been really fascinated by the way consumers interact with their with products. And so, you know, it, it took me a nonlinear path to really get to product marketing. I had a, a stint in New York where you know, I worked in corporate finance and renewable energy and I guess you could say corporate, you know, margins and acquisitions. It felt like so long ago now that I'm speaking those words out loud. Yeah. Uh, but, but I moved into the tech space actually in New York. And at the time, there were only two industries in tech, really. There was ad tech and there was fintech, financial tech. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up joining an ad tech company. And the job that was uh, that I that I started at was a commercialization manager. And that actually had a mix of product marketing, had a mix of go-to-market, and had a mix of product management. And it sort of felt like this beautiful kind of uh, integration of all my skill sets into one role. And I, you know, so I didn't actually know that the role existed, but I was so moved by uh, how I could be analytical and creative and strategic and also diplomatic. And so I learned a lot about myself. And I also had to learn a lot, obviously, about the product and the industry that we were in. And uh, eventually ended up moving to the Bay Area and had a lot of different types of roles within the world of product marketing, leading product marketing teams for the first time, you know, for the company's first time, worked with early stage companies, later stage companies, different verticals, uh, different industries. And I, I have a, a lens on all the ways that you can bring a product to market from so many different perspectives. So it's just been such a fun journey. And yeah, I think when you have the skill set of learning how to launch something or knowing how to launch a product or service, you can use that in so many different ways in your life. So writing, actually wrote three books, writing these three books, 
felt very natural to me because it was really an exercise in go to market, but for my own product line and some of the other things that I've done as well, it felt very natural to me to be able to like bring the different you know pieces together to create the the mosaic really. No, that's, that's helpful. You said something I, I keyed off of. I, I, I actually relate to it. You said nonlinear. And I think many of us start in that end up in this space in this sector or the business and in this in this type of role don't come through a straight line, right? It's a different, it's a number of different things you kind of do. Some of it may be trial and error, but you go back and forth. And then you also said you landed in this job and you couldn't really and couldn't really describe the, the term for it or the actual definition role, but you knew you were in the right place. I, I, I like I like hearing people come through this role because it looks like then at the end, you have a lot more to offer and a lot more to bring to contribute to not only the company you work for, but to people that work around you as well. Absolutely, Mike. In your first book, and I'll take a detour. I actually found, Jasmine, I found this book because I was working with a project with a client and trying to show them, this was almost six years ago, show them how to implement product marketing side-by-side with product management. And I went looking for books on a natural place you should go, Amazon, Google, whatever. And yours at the time was one of, I think, two that popped up that didn't look like a textbook. <laughs> and I was able to order it and print it or get it and, and download it and t- took the, the 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 electronic version and then ordered the hard copy version and read it almost on a on a half of a plane ride and then walk into the client and bring them the copies of the book as well eventually and show them how to do this. And it literally it helped them a lot. And I I I have a version here and you can see that it's been chewed and written on and studied and it's got coffee stains on it and everything else. But in that book, what I liked about what you did was you took a role that was very misunderstood and you broke it down. I mean, literally broke it down from everything from almost job description through interview process to onboarding to the first assignment, which is what in the specific case that I had with this client, which is what they needed. So my question is, since you've written this book, do you think or feel that the role has evolved? And if so, how so? Mm, yeah, great question. You know, I appreciate that so much, by the way. It makes me so happy to hear people, you know, reflecting on the book and how how they integrate it into their own, their own work and their own clientele. So I get emails, by the way, all the time still about the book, which, which you know, it's kind of interesting because I think, you know, to answer your question, some things have changed and then some things have not changed at all. I mean, I think that the book was really written as a first principle guide to how to bring product marketing to an organization and also how to launch your product, like how to create the framework and tools to build the right go-to-market for a product or service and do it in a way in which you can package products together. Because I think a lot of companies really misunderstand the differentiation between like being a product company, you know, one product company versus a multi-product company. They usually can get away with their first product, you know, not having a strategic plan, but after that, it gets it gets difficult. I will add that in the tech space, specifically enterprise B two B software, that's especially the case. That it's yes. a, it's a it's a skill that's still evolving. It's still still being worked out. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a nuance and a difference between B two B business to business and B two C business to consumer uh, mm-hmm. companies and products and. The go-to-market is different. There's definitely some overlap, but for the most part, um, you know, the sales cycle is much longer, which means the marketing 
uh, funnel is going to be quite different uh, for each scenario. And people who are consumers oftentimes will go to a website to be able to purchase the product. There's less of a customer journey when it comes to time or the time component is decreased often. With business to business, it's a longer sales cycle. So right. you you know have to do a little bit more, I would say, due diligence on like the competition, what feature sets really matter to customers. And, and I have noticed that things have changed. I mean, so I work uh, predominantly with companies that are at the sweet spot of like early stage, you know, seed, series A, series B. I've done definitely some work at the, you know, with public companies, but my heart really is aligned with founders who are at that, at that early stage that um, they're still really validating their product, but they're also figuring out all the different ways they could package and bring that product to market. And I think, um, I think just consumer sentiment has shifted a lot, yeah. which means our ability to market and position and understand the customer has also shifted. Like you, you can't get away with doing, you know, one piece of market due diligence, for example, like you have to constantly create like this, this loop is this iterative feedback loop in which you're always learning from your customer because their, their lives have changed. And so mm -hmm. they're, their decisions have changed. The things that they care about have changed and they're continuing to change quite drastically. And I think, you know, obviously with like all this artificial intelligence coming through, we're seeing at such an exponential rate, right? Might I add that I think a lot of people's sentiments are just going to continue to exponentially shift. So I think as a product marketer, you know, we, we have, we have to, you know, be aware of that and also figure out ways to stay really close to the customer and also be objective and not project our own desires onto them. When you look at, and I, my, our lens here is more B2B than B2C. And I, so I know that you, you've worked in both worlds. When you look at the product marketing role and this customer, and sometimes I refer to as buyer sentiment or buyer preference shifting, what kind of things do you see pulling on the job or making it look different or behave differently than, say, five or six years ago? What, what, what stands out to you? I mean, you know, when it comes to are you asking, like when it comes to market research and due diligence? And just the, in some ways, just the, the priorities of the job itself and some of the things that you have to maybe you do you focus on the same things you did? Do, do you uh, you mentioned some of this earlier in terms of single threaded approach? versus using broader channels, that sort of thing is clear. But I'm just curious if if the job still, if the job, if the shift in buyer sentiment or customer sentiment has required the job to do additional things that it hadn't done previously or hadn't been yeah. even think, been considered okay. previously. Yeah, I think to answer your question, I mean, the job is definitely changing. And I think a lot of it has to do with not just the customer, which, you know, customer sentiment is shifting and changing and being aware of those shifts is one layer of mm -hmm. importance. But the other layer is also like what's happening at an investment level, right? Like, you know, right now we're, we're in a place where I think investment has become a little bit more difficult for certain industries and verticals and stages than others. And so be, being really aware of like also how much of a budget you might have to be able to like actually create the change that you want to to build within the company and organization uh, right. is really key. And then also understanding your resources from a human capital mm -hmm. perspective, like who mm -hmm. are the people that you can bring into this, you know, this team, who are the interdisciplinary stakeholders, um, how what kind of systems and processes are in place mm -hmm. and how, how do you want to shift those systems and processes if they need to be shifted in order to maximize 
the best go-to-market possible. So there's all these layers, you know, happening. And then also remote work becoming such yes. a popular <laughs> piece of It the is the standard right now, right? I mean, that's, it, yeah. It is, it is. And we're all trying to figure out what that means, right? For, for us both personally and professionally. But at the go-to-market level, I mean, it makes it a lot more difficult to collect information, to understand the kind of nuance, nuances that happen in these like conversations, you know, by by the water cooler, if you if you will. And which so, which doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> which doesn't exist anymore, exactly. And so, what happens is you end up having those conversations on Slack or some kind of messaging platform, um, and really creating, I would say, deep relationships with different stakeholders and trust. I think that's in some ways harder because we're so remote and distributed. And I think it actually takes, it actually now is imperative that product marketers have deep awareness of their emotional world so that they understand how to connect with people. And it has been its very nature, a collaborative job, right? The product marketer doesn't move anything by herself. Not really. They 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 influence. They certainly guide and direct, but the the the, the he, some of the heaviest lifting is done with cooperation of others. So yes. certainly a factor in that. I, yeah. I want to zoom back a little bit. I have a general question. It's kind of a one hundred and one question. When people use the term "go to market," it covers a lot of ground. And when you think about it, I'm wondering. Give us a highlight of the kind of things that you consider critical, important must have inside that that umbrella of go to market what are the things the blocking and tackling if you will the, the things that go inside that from your point of yeah. view yeah i mean so there's you know market feedback there's strategic readiness there's product readiness there's sales enablement you know building out the right sales tools there's uh, the development of the marketing funnel mm-hmm. and there's you know looking at legal risks regulatory risks pricing strategy and then doing kind of a a, a pass uh, an understanding of what's the external promotion what does that press kit look like the the, the press play so those are the, the big layers that I see from a go-to-market perspective. And of course, you can like double click into all those categories, but those at a high level is what I see for go-to-market. Like how do you actually operationalize the product? You you have the broad view and, and the encompassing view. It, I, I actually shared a picture with someone once. They, they liked it. And it was sort of this view of a solar system. It's kind of like the, the, the center is the customer and, and all these these things that you described are literally planets or indoor moons floating around this this environment. And that is all, like you said, that's all go to market. And it all has to sync up and move in a coordinated fashion to make it actually happen. Egress Solutions is a high-touch product growth and market success consultancy. Since 2009, Egress Solutions has had successful engagements with the top technology organizations, delivering insights into buyer preferences, product market fit, product management, and go-to market excellence. Egress Solutions accelerates top-line growth and market success for our clients. Go to www.egresssolutions.net to learn more. It's so funny because, you know, a lot of people tend to use the word go to market and not really understand what it means and what it applies to. And so it's kind of one of the most overused words in most. It it is. It absolutely is. Yes. Um, Some people think it's just sales motion, right? I'm going to lock in the sales team and staff them up and get them ready with readiness content and then go. And I I can hear from the sound and reading your books, you have a much broader and much more complete view than that. 
I, yeah. I want to ask you a question because you talk about this a bit in, in, in certainly in the last book, The Launch, but you actually allude to it even earlier. What do you see as some of the common miscues and mistakes that companies make when they start trying to figure out go-to-market strategy, the planning aspect of this? You know, a lot of companies don't actually bring all the different stakeholders to the table when it comes to that first meeting on like, what is the product that we want to launch? Why are we launching it? Who is it for? What are some of the risks that we see? How does it impact certain teams? You know, what do the, the teams actually need in order to be successful? I definitely see that time and time again, like oftentimes, you know, a, a founder or an executive will think, let me not bring in, you know, everyone, all the different uh, stakeholders until like the 11th hour or like. You mean starting out with a more silo team and then adding layers as they go? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or like starting out with, yeah, it's just a smaller team of people right. and then bringing in all the different stakeholders later in, in the development of the product. I think that mm-hmm. I've just seen that not work well over time because all the teams actually need to be informed and they also need to understand what's happening at that strategic layer. And so by the time something goes, gets to market, you know, oftentimes comp- you know, founders will, will say, uh, you know, can you just bring this to market? Can you market this? Right. And it, it becomes such a difficult exercise to try to understand all the work that has been put in, all the hypotheses that's been put in without like some marketing due diligence that should have gone into that process and also like how that impacts some of the other teams. So that's kind of just one thing that, I, that I've noticed. That's a big one, though. That's a real big one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's, it's important because, you know, I think a lot of companies are sort of have this mentality that there's not enough time and they need to be a little bit controlling about people's time, which in my opinion is not a good strategy because it's really not about time. It's about managing people's energy, you know, Mm -hmm. like in a project. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's an exercise of trust and faith and not, and not, um, not control. When you work with early stage founders, when do you typically start trying to give them sort of the, best practice, if you will, or the the means to start embedding some of these principles you're talking about into their business. What, what is there a particular stage that you look at that? Is it never too early or or how do you how do you think about that? How do you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, I mean honestly it's never too early. When someone has hired a product manager, that's a good time to bring in a product marketer who can mm-hmm. then create a go-to-market process. I mean, in some cases, especially in industries where there's hardware or there's a longer cycle, sales cycle, or the product is going to get to market many, many months or even a year out, it's still critical to create the go-to-market plan because you can focus on things like top of funnel marketing strategies or, you know, regulatory uh, pricing, like a lot of these pieces that just need to be figured out. Now, having said that, you may not need like a full-time product marketer, a full-time person who's doing the go-to-market process, especially if you don't have that many feature sets and changes on the engineering side. But it's still really important to have someone who is managing that process and understands which questions to ask and where the holes in the strategies might be, because that's going to that's gonna basically cost you later. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're saying is even if the product is not there yet, that going through these, I'll call them motions, and it's not a waste of time. You said that earlier, it's about managing energy and it's energizing people to the notion that this is about putting a product out there that people want to buy. So starting that at the point of, I, I guess, 
you said never too early. I, I kind of believe it could be at the point of design, right? You could be doing mock-ups and start going, having to go to market discussion and conversation at the same time. That's probably early, but it's not too early. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just having uh, some template or some understanding of what is going to need to happen on the operational layer is going to be mm -hmm. super important for one to you know launch their product in market. I think that's the piece that a lot of people miss. So, I mean, Amazon actually did this. Whenever there was a product idea or a product in development, they would actually write a press release. It's a press uh, release idea, yes. Yeah, and so I think it makes sense to create like a go-to-market plan of action so that you're considering like, what are the resource that, resources that we even need in order to make this happen? Um, sometimes I have done this exercise with uh, some founders where We'll create like a whole list. It might be like 60 line items or so. And we'll take about 20% of the line items and and prioritize them. Like that, mm -hmm. those are the things that we're actually going to have time to do. We have the resources to do them and do them well. But to do everything that you need to do from a go-to-market perspective within the, the constraints of, of resourcing is obviously not going to happen. And I think just being really crystal clear and honest and truthful about where you're at and, and how much money you have you know, is very important because I think I've, I notice a lot of times companies and, and founders will expect more than they have the budget for. Almost always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stretch, do more with less. Yes. No, that's that's fair. That's that's a good point. I have a, a this is more of a parochial role sort of question. It's two parts to it. So is there an ideal structure? in your view, what you've seen in your client base and the companies you've worked with to have go-to-market be successful? And if so, what does it look like if there is such, such a thing? You know, so go-to-market actually emerged, I believe, at Google for their ads business. It was because there were so many features that were coming down the engineering pipeline that the teams needed to figure out like a way to commercialize them and package them. And, and I think, you know, from that model, a lot of companies started adopting this model of go-to-market. Like, how do we actually package, tier our products, position them, and bring them to market? So the ideal structure, depending on the company's feature, like how many features are actually coming down the pipe, mm -hmm. I would say that in many cases, like if there's a heavy amount of features coming through that I would consider tier zero, which are highly important game-changing features that they're launching, right. Um, then you do need someone to own the go-to-market process. It could be someone who owns it, you know, and that's their that's their job. But that has to do with like the layer of compl complexity in the industry, in the product, in the technical piece. Like, you know, so if it's so difficult for a product marketer to manage both go-to-market and the other pieces of go-to-market, uh, go market, which is market feedback and positioning and framing and, you know, helping, you know, brand and building the whole the infrastructure for the marketing strategy, they oftentimes won't have enough time to also manage the go-to-market process. So in my opinion, having those roles combined works in some cases where there's not as many features coming through. And when there's a lot, then it makes sense to actually create silos. And, and in your view, how do you divide the product marketing responsibility, accountability from the product management accountability responsibility? Is there overlap? Is there touch points? How, how do you see that threading that, that needle, so to speak? Yeah. So a product manager oftentimes is one of the first hires at a, a company, or if they're working on product there, you know, there's obviously a PM that, that owns it. Mm -hmm. So 
what happens is they oftentimes are so uh, focused on the technical build. They're working really closely with engineering and they also have to understand the customer, right? Cause they're building out um, right. the product product requirement doc, the PRD. And so they don't necessarily have the time to do the due diligence to right. really make sense of the marketing customer. And so at that point, when a product manager just doesn't have the bandwidth, the, the maybe the sophistication, the the background to be able to write a positioning, you know, framework, for example, and do that mm-hmm. due diligence, then that's a good time to hire a product marketing manager. And so, um, I've heard it uh, referred to as you know the product manager is the CEO of the product, and the product marketing manager is the CMO of the product. Yeah, I've never been able to float that CEO idea of product manager to very few, many people. But but I think it is I think it is similar to the mindset, right? You want the product marketer to think like a CMO. I think that's fair, and I think you want the product manager to think more like a CEO than an engineer, so to speak. I think that's fair. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So. General question. You've got a diverse background, a very varied background. Is this activity we're talking about, is it science or is it art? Yeah. I mean, so there, you know, there's, it's a mix. And I think depending on the product or vertical, you might do better in in some companies rather than others based on your specific maybe area of expertise. Like some people are just, some product marketers are just more analytical and strategic. Others are more creative and really great, you know, with content writing, production, design, that that world. And so I have, you know, in order to be really effective though, I think especially if you climb the ranks as a leader, you need both. You need to be able to speak mm-hmm. both languages, both to product managers and engineers and also to the branding, you know, teams and the production teams and all the other people in, in marketing and sales, right? And so it, yes. it does require like a very diverse skill set. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And 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 in a smaller organization, you're not gonna you're likely not to have multiples of product marketers. So someone's gonna be stretched probably to one end of their one end or the other, depending on how they sit. Very few people come with real good balance in those areas, right? Somebody may have good technical framing, analytical background, and they'll gravitate toward that, but they'll need to stretch themselves to be able to help produce the compelling content that buyers will engage with. I mean, it's so I I agree with you. It feels like it's it's it requires balance and, and stretching on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think, you know, in some cases where a company has, let's say, a very complex product that is geared for developers, for example, they might think that hiring product marketers who've had only an experience with developers or a very technical background or maybe an an engineering background, right? Mm -hmm. There's that in some cases. I've seen that not work out well in the long term because what happens is you become also very siloed in your perspective of how to market something. So I think it actually makes sense for companies to bring in very diverse types of product marketers so that they can really, you know, create like a deep awareness of the, of the ecosystem and the industry and look at the product from such a different lens, like the polarity, having that polarity is actually really good. You know, you say that, and I was immediately thinking about a client I'm working with right now in a cybersecurity space, and they are prone 
to hire people that have strong cybersecurity backgrounds, more technical, maybe started out technical and then moved to, you know, to more of a product marketing kind of role. And I think what they need is someone like you, those kind of companies, someone like you to come in and kind of help them stretch a little bit, right? And, and get outside their comfort zone. Because I think that's right. That is, it may appear a risky hire at the outset, but in the long run, they'll end up with somebody who makes a much more, I think, meaningful contribution to moving the product successfully in the marketplace and to, to resonating with buyers for sure. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So I would like to ask a, a question of you. I ask this of everybody. So if you were sharing information about people that inspire you, people that you look to either in this industry or elsewhere, that you turn to and look for inspiration or that just kind of, you know, we all have people we turn to and they get our motors going. Who are those people for you and and why? Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's such a great question. <laughs> I think my answer might be a little bit different than others. I, I like the different answers. I don't want a standard <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have a standard answer for this one because I would say Mary Sheehan, she has been really inspirational. Um, we work together at AdRoll. I've been like kind of each other's cheerleaders for a long time. I really appreciate her. And there's been a lot of people. I had a podcast where I interviewed different product marketing leaders. So I, mm-hmm. I a lot of folks like Vanessa Thompson and okay. um, Adam Wygran and Francisco Bram, mm-hmm. like a lot of folks who I really, I really enjoyed their um, thoughtfulness around product marketing and also like their, their understanding of like the nuances that go into, into the role. Right. Yes. Yes. I would say the people that inspire me, like I look to, I look to other things for inspiration when it comes okay. to product marketing. So I'm really interested in like what new technologies are coming out and how that impacts product marketing. I'm also interested in like what's happening on the marketing side. Like who are the, mm-hmm. who are the marketers that are, you know, really, you know, shifting things. I have been a little bit more interested in the consumer uh, world of marketing perspective rather than B2B, you know, as of late. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say like th- those are the folks that I've been I've been tracking and I'm always reading. So I probably read a book a week. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And I think I've I've been really interested in psychological behavior. So I've been spending a Say lot more. Of- Say more. Um, so I spent a couple of years ago, I actually went to the Academy of Intuition Medicine to really study intuition. And I also probably read 300 to 400 books at this point in the world of understanding our emotions, understanding our feeling states, understanding what it is to be in reality. Right. And and mm-hmm. I think understanding that has allowed me to understand people. And I think okay. that makes a person a really good product marketer. It's like, how do people think? Why would they think this way? You know, what are their values? What are their beliefs? Like most people are just really running a program. And so really understanding like what's the program that they're running um, has been helpful. And, and also, you know, my, my desire is to be in service of humanity and the collective. So I'm really trying to, to push the narrative on marketing so that we're all in this, in like a win-win game, not a zero sum game. I think yes. not a bad rap. <laughs> no, it, it, a lot of our business sectors have run like that for a long time. And I agree with you. We're reaching, I think we're reaching the end of the utility of that way of thinking and something new needs to come into play. I agree. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So last question before I let you go. So give my listeners, give us a prediction about this area, product, marketing, go-to-market, product launch, 
three years, four years, five years from now, what 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 changes, if anything? Mm, yeah. So I think that there are so many things happening from a technology perspective right now that are so game changing for everyone collectively and like what it means to work, what it means to you know, show up to work. And so I, I think that companies are going to become increasingly smaller over time. I think there's going to be less of a need for a lot of product marketers within an organization, simply because I think artificial intelligence is going to be replacing a lot of jobs. So you um, see the AI factor being a, a big impact on staffing levels. Is that what I'm hearing you say? I wouldn't say big, but I would say it's definitely going to have a factor. You know, okay. I think from when it comes to like things like competitive research or mm-hmm. creating content, doing research, I think is going to be really important when it comes because I think AI is really good at looking at historical data. I don't think yeah. it's as good, obviously, at looking at the you know future and creativity. And um, it, the creativity is sort of based on historical data as opposed to an iteration of, I would say, pulling ideas from an intuitive primordial wisdom. And so I think the really good product marketers are going to be the ones who have the qualities that AI can't produce. And I think those are the things that a lot of people have not developed. I think you're right. I think it's, and it's a, it's a different way of thinking. It feels like to me, would you agree? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not business as usual. It's something that's going to layer on top of what we've all assumed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a different type of wisdom that we're yeah. that we're going to have to understand about humanity, about society, um, about how we kind of see each other in the world, and how and how people make make decisions. You know, right. like what their sentiments are. Yasmin, I have really enjoyed this conversation. If any of the listeners want to reach out to you or contact you, how do they do that? How would you recommend they, they connect with you, find your material, find your insights? Oh, thank you so much for asking, Mike. I really appreciate that. I So uh, you can find my books on Amazon and you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have an online course that has really brought together all my knowledge of go-to-market that you could buy. And yeah, I'm always happy to hear from folks. <laughs> okay. All right. Yasmin, really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful time with you. It went too fast. Thank you for joining. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. This was so lovely. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Egress Solutions, head on over to www.egresssolutions.net. We'll see you next month on GTM Disrupted.